Hello, I'm Avery or Hazel or Kylie. You can just pick one. I don't care. Hello, I am Lily. And welcome to the From the Closet podcast. Today, we are covering the bad guys. So, um, yeah, obviously oh, spoilers for movie. that. Um, before we get into everything, I went ahead and spun the wheel before th- we started recording because of technical reasons. Um, and it landed on the parent trap. I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, well, you're not going to know how to feel about something else that I'm about to reveal. What? Apparently, the um, the original 1961 Parent Trap got a sequel in the 1980s. What? And, yeah, it is not available anywhere. Just Watch doesn't even recognize that the movie exists. Uh, but it was called The Parent Trap 2, so we're not covering that one. We are going to be covering the 1998 remake of The Parent Trap. Uh, however, okay, that is then. that is in two weeks, by the way, because tomorrow you can join us for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, and you can join us next week for our free movie of the month for March and Doctor Strange. So, I look so- forward to... Yeah, I don't know how I feel about Go the ahead. parent trap. You know, Avery sit, you know, has good things to say about it. But then she also had good things to say about the first one, too, so... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I said, I haven't seen this movie in, like, a decade. Or more. I'm pre- I mean, and I pretty much exclusively talked about the remake. Yeah, he's talked about the remake. Where, like, the first movie... It could also be good. <laughs> or something like that. I mean, I just remember saying that we should cover the first movie first. Um, but, yeah. This movie, uh, anyway, yeah. So, obviously, there will be spoilers for this movie. Uh, in the description down below, you will find a link to Just Watch, which itself will have links to all the places you can rent, purchase, or stream this movie. Um, our link is to the U.S. version of the site, but if you use the Just Watch app, it will automatically redirect you to your country's page. Um, and if you use the website, you can change the country from the website page. If you live in the U.S., the movie is currently, at the time of this recording, available on Netflix. Okay, you know what I've always been wondering? Like, why are DreamWorks movies just spread out all over the place? Because they don't have their own streaming service. Is also, isn't DreamWorks owned by Universal? And that's a Comcast I, company? I don't know. But even if that were the case, Comcast has two different streaming services as it is. And Bad Guys is on none of them. <laughs> yeah, it's everything's weird. So, eh, I mean, and for those wondering what the two streaming services Comcast has, it's Peacock and part of Hulu. So, yeah, that, that, that's what it is. Um, anyway, uh, also in the description below, you'll find a link to our Patreon where you can get access to episodes of this show early, as well as, uh, 
the ability to vote on future episodes of this show. I should have said that first. Uh, and you will also get access to episodes of our sister show, Off the Shelf, early. Uh, that show is about books, and it's exclusively on YouTube and Patreon. Also in the description is a link to Anchor.fm, where you'll find links to every single platform that this podcast is on, as well as links to our Instagram and Twitter, where you can get notified when we release a new episode. So, with all that being said, spoilers ahead. Get out of here if you'd like to avoid them. So, you know, um, you remember my friend, right? Um, I forgot to tell you about this, but he's always suggested adding, like, music. Like, add, like, just subtle background music. And this is one of the movies where I would just um, put the soundtrack of the movie because that's just how good it is. I I think, um, no. Like, for starters, I don't like the idea of adding background music to our podcast, because no, pretty much no other podcasts do that, unless they are... Actually, a lot of like, them literally, do. I, especially no. for our uh, category. I have uh, never seen another podcast... Uh, I have never seen an... Let me finish! God damn it! I have never seen a podcast add background music like during the actual substance of the podcast where you're like trying to listen to the people talking. Unless they were specifically a like a story podcast where the podcast is basically like an audio version of a TV show, really. Mm, I can listen to those. I mean, but like, as you said, like, in the beginning, you know, it gets, like, a warm welcome. I don't know. I mean, for something like that, I wouldn't want to uh, steal, I guess. I wouldn't want to use something that uh, belongs to any particular copyright holder. And then I also wouldn't want to license something either because we could lose that license agreement. I mean, it's just a segue for um, this music is effing gold. Yeah, I, I don't even think, even if we could license something, I don't even think I would want the music from this movie, just because it doesn't really fit the vibe of the podcast. It's great for the movie, but... I, I only mention it because, like, that music is actually just going constantly in my head right now. It's just playing yeah. 24-7 right now. But, um, so anyway, the, the cast of this movie I want to talk about for a second. Because, like, I wasn't even three minutes into the movie when I, I paused it and, like, typed cast of the bad guys. <laughs> so, um, there were three cast members that stood out to me. Uh, so we have Sam Rockwell as Wolf. Um, who you may remember, it, people may remember him from Iron Man 2 and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, he um, you nails his performance. Uh, you have Aquafina as Tarantula, and you may remember her from Raya and the Last Dragon and Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And then you have... Richard, whose last name I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, uh, 
uh, as Professor Marmalade, and he was the voice of one of the Jerry's in Soul. Huh. You know, I can actually hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the... that. That one was one of the last ones I looked up because, like, the whole movie, I kept thinking his voice sounded familiar. You know, yeah, I can even picture what Jerry it sounds like. Yeah. The main one, really. <laughs> no, I thought the main one was, um, was the girl Jerry. No, sorry. The main one that we see through most of the movie, not the first one we see. Yeah, I guess. Um, but more on this movie, I there's one person that I saw that just called this movie like the most mid thing ever, like plot wise. And while the story is pretty basic, I cannot disagree with that more. Okay. So, while I disagree slightly, um, I do understand where that perspective is coming from, because the whole movie does kind of feel like a super villain redemption arc movie. Like, I honestly, thinking about it, it's really not that different to something like Megamind. They have a very similar story arc. And they're both DreamWorks movies. That's true. However, my counter-argument is that this movie is a straight off from beginning to end. There are times where it just feels extremely generic. I think when the conflict starts happening between Wolf and Snake is when the movie really, really picks up and, like, starts cementing itself as unique. Well, I mean, you can do generic um, plot lines while still delivering a really good experience. Yeah, like, I'm not saying the movie was a bad experience. It's just the plot isn't going to be one that sticks with you unless it had those things with... The, those conflicts with Wolf and Snake and um, really the rest of the crew in general. Um, also, I'm going to make a Sam and uh, Max reference because uh, the music that they played during um, the car trace is truly um, what, was, what was it called? Um, music to drive recklessly by. <laughs> See, the music in this movie very much reminds me of the music in The Incredibles. I can hear it. Which, you know, which, you know uh, with The Incredibles, the music there was meant to emulate, like, James Bond. So, I, I just typically think of The Incredibles first and not James Bond. This music I mean, is very um, heist- um, Get away, you know. And there was yeah. a licensed music in here as well with, um, what was it called? I think it was The Conductor. Yeah, I wasn't that big of a fan of the licensed music or the, uh, 
if it had original lyrical music, I, I couldn't tell if it was licensed or original. I wasn't that much of a fan of that either. No, I think it was a straight bop and really did fit the, um, the scene that was happening. Nah, like, any of the lyrical pieces in the movie just kind of sounded extremely generic to me. Oh, and the, um, there is no point where I uh, dislike the music in this. Even the lyrical piece, like, I know you're talking about how much you think is so generic, but... God, the, um, the one they were playing at um, the second... Um, Marmalades. I'm sorry. The um, where the bad guys became good. Trademark. Um, wink. I love that song. And if it was on Spotify, it probably is, but I don't know. I would probably add it to my Spotify playlist. I wouldn't be shocked if it is on Spotify. Um. Yeah, like the background music of How to Train Your Dragons, I think um, this is on here too. I mean, okay, I I'd have to go back and listen to that song that Piranha was singing, because maybe that one's better than, I give it, than I'm giving it credit for, but the other ones, like the other songs in the movie just felt generic to me. I wasn't really thinking that hard about that song as it, I, as it was playing. I was more focused on the actual stuff that was going on. That's fair, definitely. Um, I, I, I can also somewhat agree with you if you still think it's generic, but for me, I'm just like, just strip dancing over here. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, uh, there's this chemistry building between like a wolf and the governor throughout the entire movie. I kind of enjoy it. It's nice. Yeah, it's like, nothing super serious it, either. It's just, um, it's just little, and it's I mean, nice. It's, yeah, like it sort of seems like they're developing a romance, but they don't ever like conclude it in the movie, which I actually think might be a good call. Uh, you don't always have to conclude that um, in a movie like this, especially how and I, short the movie is. You know, it can yeah, be, like. You and know, especially with everything that happened, it, it, with everything that happened in the movie, it would feel kind of rushed if they were in a relationship at the end of the movie. But I can totally see them forming a relationship after this movie's over. Absolutely. I guess after the movie's over, you know, Wolf is um, out of his uh, prison. I want to say they probably um, they all got off uh, early based on good behavior. I don't know. Maybe. No, it's just a theory. A film theory. Well, Thanks there's for watching. Also the, uh, there's also the potential that their sentences got lessened due to the fact that they returned everything that they stole. That is also a good point as well. Yeah. That is um, if the Crimson Paw didn't take like you know, half of it as well. <laughs> I mean, she took some of it, clearly. Okay, can I just say how badass it was how Diane, the mayor, 
just hacks into uh, yeah governor you're right just hacks in to her own surveillance cameras i mean it sure is something like it, it <laughs> i mean i i did appreciate the joke where she was like uh, where wolf asked her why don't you just like ask permission to use the satellite and she's like i would but ugh, paperwork <laughs> Like, that's a nice little joke to have in there. Um, I, I, think, I do want to talk about... Hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. I wonder if we're about to say the same thing, because I would want to say, like, a lot... A lot to, if not most, of the humor really does land. But I would be doing my... Not be doing my job if I didn't mention the fart jokes that really do bog down a bit of the humor... I feel like the movie makes up with other humor to make up yeah, for it, um, but just it, you do have to mention it sometime. Uh, that wasn't what I was going to bring up, but I'm glad you did because I had completely forgotten. And yeah, fart jokes do bring down the comedy level of a movie. They're not funny to anyone except like three year olds. So. Yeah, I'm. It's just no. What are you gonna bring up? That I was going to start talking about, like the uh, the actual conflicts between uh, Wolf and Snake, and really the crew in general, and how it very much mirrors uh, situations in the real world. Um, whenever you're going through a major life change, if the people around you aren't supportive of that life change you there might be times where you have to leave them behind and that's hard and obviously everything works out in this movie but for a while it looked like it wouldn't mm -hmm. i mean at least to uh to wolf it looked like it wouldn't i mean i don't think it's that really um i don't think it's really unpredictable that they would all come around it seemed kind of obvious absolutely though i guess i think um it's one of the effects where you obviously know what's gonna happen but you can also understand you know that the characters would believe otherwise yeah um and i will say like it can I, the point I'm trying to make is that, like, anytime you go through a major life change, it's hard. And sometimes there are people who you're going to have to leave behind, and there's no easy way to do it. I myself had to go through this when I came out as trans. There, there were people in my life who I had to cut off completely. And I, 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 get, I guess the best way to put, th put it is... You'll make other friends. <laughs> yeah. it um, Just you have to leave people behind does not mean um, it's the end there. So, another conversation I want to have is hmm. Marmalade. And the fact that he's a twist villain. I don't know how so, much he works as a twist villain, though he definitely does not pull a 180. 
You you can see I it. Would, I would say he does pull a 180. However, I don't know how much it works. Um, because, okay, so for starters, this is the first and only time I've seen the movie. So mm-hmm. I can't really comment on how well this twist works on rewatch. Um, so I, I watched a lot of videos on this. And obviously there was something shady up with this guy. Especially w- with a lot of his dialogue when it comes to Mother Teresa. Like, second only to Mother Teresa. Well, I think it's a more of a tie, but... Or actually, one of my favorite um, dialogue with him was... Uh, they say experience is the best teacher. They're wrong. It's me. He had such a level I mean, okay. of arrogance to him. Yeah, that, like, there is a clear ego here, but he shifts from trying to maintain a public image of doing the right thing to immediately being like, I'm going to control an army of guinea pigs and try to steal money from myself. Which, I mean, in his brain, I guess you would think, you would think of it as untraceable. If he steals it from himself. I don't know. This is, this is weird to me. Hmm. Like, I'm sorry. I don't, I actually don't get this guy's plan because he told people he was going to donate all this money to charity, but it's his money. If he wanted it, he could have just kept it. Why did he need the army of guinea pigs to steal from himself? Is it just so the other characters can have a chance to redeem themselves? Um, I mean, I guess in my mind, his idea was to, um, you know, set up all the money and they go to the charities, right? And then that money gets stolen and the money probably just goes offshore somewhere. And then he's probably going to be like, oh, it's so sad that the money was stolen. There's nothing we can do about this. And then what? Well, he keeps his public image that's like, this is just a tragic event. While he keeps all the money. Yeah, but the thing is, he doesn't need to worry about his public image if he just keeps the money. I mean, sure he does. If it doesn't go to the charity like everyone expected it to, his public image... No, like, he doesn't even need to say that he's going to donate, donate it to charity. That's the thing. He can just keep the money, not say he's going to donate it to charity... Not, you know, hatch this whole scheme to control an army of guinea pigs to then steal the money. I guess he He just just, liked everyone pretending he was a good person. I don't know. Like, I'd have to rewatch the movie to try and see if I can figure out his motivation. But just coming off of seeing it the first time, it almost seems like he does this. So the movie can happen. <laughs> yeah, his motivations were weak. Like, he has a clear ego. And him swapping, you know, like, oh, I'm actually a villain. At least to me, when I first watched it in theaters, I was not that surprised. Though a lot of people have thought about it. I was like, so where was the plan here? 
Uh, just like Big Hero 6, where the fuck was the plan? I guess, um... I don't know, you have an army of guinea pigs, what else can you do? <laughs> I don't know, it, it, it just... It just kind of came to me in the middle of us talking here that, like, his plan doesn't really make any sense. Uh, just from my first impressions, I'd have to watch the movie again, but odds are, I don't know if I will. <laughs> it's a good movie, but, like, will I watch it again if, uh, I mean, if a friend wants to watch it, sure. Uh, but yeah, it's unless it's safe, like, you would be okay with uh, watching the movie again. But the fact is that you don't really have much time to rewatch movies. Well, even then, if I am choosing to rewatch any movie, this movie isn't going to be one that I reach for. Yeah. Like, I'm not opposed to rewatching it, but I will not actively seek out an opportunity to rewatch it. I, I think mean, that's how it is. I would at. I guess my actively seeking out to rewatch this movie was this podcast. Uh, yeah. And this podcast, uh, we're starting to get through a lot of uh, weird movies from time to time. I mean, we've That's covered true. some odd stuff. Uh, also, I noticed that... Um, there was another character in this movie. I can't remember who, but hmm. their voice actor also played uh, George in Sea of Monsters. Huh. And if you're wondering who George is, he was one of the snakes on Hermes's Caduceus. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I was actually a little bit confused. I'm like, George, George. Who, who's Who's George? Yeah, um, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was the voice of Shark. Uh, I could be wrong, though, but I was like, huh, that's interesting, but not notable enough to mention it at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I want to say, um, so obviously this movie is very character-driven, you know, has a pretty basic plot, so it really does get carried by the personalities of the character. Wolf just carries this movie. Like, absolutely. I mean, I understand that perspective. Um, I honestly enjoyed uh, the the Fox governor character more. Hmm. I can definitely understand that I, perspective as well. Yeah, like, I, I, uh, the whole time I was questioning, like, What's her game? What's her stake in all this? And then, like, when we get the reveal that she's... What was it? The Crimson Paw? So I was like, oh, okay. That's what it is. And she's coming up in here beating up people uh, in kind of a similar way that I would have expected, like, Elastigirl to do it. <laughs> this movie really reminds me of The Incredibles, like, a lot. <laughs> so I was... Um... A little bit of background information. When I first watched this movie, um, I actually, um, I want to say, ring up a friend. I was just on Discord, 
And I was like, yo, I have this um, movie gift card, and I kind of want to see a bad guys want to join me and also to drive me. It's like, yeah, sure. And while we were watching, it was at that part, we were both like, yeah, yeah, that is totally, that is totally um, the governor, you know, breaking in. <laughs> we did it. I also totally, I also totally called that too. We did it call that it was the Crimson Paw referenced earlier in the movie. But we did yeah, know it was no, Diane. I, I, yeah, I I wasn't gonna call that it was the, the Crimson Paw. It's sort of like that um that Avatar episode, The Blue Spirit, where the entire time through, you know it's going to be Zuko, but the characters don't know that. Yeah. Or I guess in the case of Avatar the Last Airbender, it's just Aang. That doesn't know that. Yeah, because I guess Aang was the only one there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, the entire time watching that episode, even if you've never seen Avatar The Last Airbender before, you probably know it's going to be Zuko. <laughs> uh, um, um, the, uh, the secondary characters uh, of the crew um, were pretty charming as well in their own right. Um, I definitely I, liked, um, Shark and, um, Tarantula. Piranha was okay, too, I guess. And Honestly, it, Piranha and Shark just kind of blend together for me. Uh, Tarantula and Snake kind of were the standouts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like Shark above, like, um, the Piranha because of the Piranha's stupid fart jokes. But other than that, like, he also had a personality as well, beyond that as well. So. Ah, yes, just two as wells. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yes, two personalities. Farts and, um, uh, violence. Remember, kids, violence is but not the answer, it's the question. The answer is piranha. Ah, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's something. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. Tarantula stood out to me. Just, I think mostly because she's voiced by Aquafina, and like, I don't know. A lot of it just kept reminding me of Sisu from Raya and the Last Dragon, and I think her character in Shang Chi was named Katie. Oh great! And now they're gonna start um, telling us about trust. Yeah, or, I don't know, questioning why you decided to go into disguise and naming yourself Sean. Oh, God. God, that was so stupid. I know you haven't seen the movie yet, but when your name is Sean, and you go into disguise and name yourself Sean, that's, that's some real next-level laziness. Good job. Good job, guys. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think I've said all I want to say about this. I guess I've said all I wanted to say, too, but I still have, like, um, unresolved emotions with this movie to say. Like, it is... Um, actually, there's another thing I want to say. I've seen, I think, three or four movies... Uh, this year in theaters. Uh, no, it was three. 
You mean I, last year? Oh yeah, I guess it would be last year. Yeah. Um actually wait, no. Um four animated new animated movies because Turning Red. I forgot about that. Didn't watch Turning Red in theaters, but I will still count that. Yeah, well it it didn't come out in theaters, so um so before that last uh December, I would have definitely said um uh, this movie was the my favorite animated movie that I watched this year. Then Puss in Boots came out. Yeah, for me, it's still turning red. Um, granted, I have not seen the uh, the new Puss in Boots movie, but I gotta be honest with you, I don't think it's gonna beat turning red. <laughs> oh. We'll see. But until uh, then, I guess... All we can do now is um, deliver some ratings. So, I, I guess I will briefly, before we get into the ratings, I do want to say, I, I do think this movie has elements that put it above average, but the fart jokes weigh it down to the point where it does kind of feel average. Um, so, just keep that in mind when you hear my rating and the critic ratings. Mm-hmm. So, IMDb gives this movie a 6.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 88%. Metacritic gives it 64%. Yikes. And 71% of Google users liked the movie. Pretty low. Um, I guess it's up to me to deliver the first one, so... I mean, Under unless you this, want me to go first. No, no, I got it. Under this heavy task of rating this very complex movie, I am also being sarcastic, by the way. Um, honestly, 8.3. Yeah, see, I, I, I was thinking a lot about this movie, and I think, like, there's a lot of... Uh, there's The fart jokes in it weigh it down so much that I feel like it's not justified giving it anything above an eight but then mm. like also the basic plot um like it's slightly above average so i can't realistically give it a seven anything below a 7.5 so i'm going to give it a 7.8 yeah um avery's thinking about this movie uh so she can never think about it again for the rest of her life yeah and i also think this movie had too much water even, didn't even have that much water. As for my the final little, closing note, um, I'm however just however much water it did have, it was too much. <laughs> my final closing note: um, that ending part where they are just skydiving and just like falling to their death. I'm just sorry. I don't think that's how physics work. Well, I mean, Cinema Therapy also called out that, like, you know, the physics doesn't make sense. And, hell, the world in general doesn't make sense because you have these animals and, like, also they're humans. talking and everything. And, yeah, like, they're talking animals and everything and nobody even recognizes that they're animals. And then everybody else is human and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, this this movie has world building. It just doesn't know what it wants to do with this world building. So it has all world building. I don't think this movie has world building. 
I think that's the pro. I think that's the thing. It's like, oh yeah, this world exists. We're not going to explain why. It just does. And that's the true spirit of the bad guys, really. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that does it for today's episode. So um, until next time, I've been Avery. That's been Lily. And don't mind us just robbing this place.